Well, it's always interesting when you do multiple things, when you're drumming and doing all that stuff, you've got to get your gear on afterwards. All right, well, praise the Lord. Father, we just ask for your name to be exalted and glorified. We ask for your word to go forth with power, to touch us, to move us, to free us, and help us to just walk as the overcomers that you've created us to be. As we hear your word on our purpose today, what you have for us and what you desire to do through us and in us, I pray that there would be just even power released to to break any barriers that stand in the way of us moving forward in your kingdom and moving forward in your glory, because that's what you have for us. And I just ask God for revelation. As the word goes forth, God, open up our minds, open our hearts to the fullness of what you have in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, we've been looking over the last few weeks that I've been preaching on really God's divine power at work in us because that's what's really important for us to understand is that whatever God asks us to do in his kingdom, he gives us power and it comes from him. It's divine power. It's divine authority. And we looked at uh, one passage of scripture that talks about God giving us the divine partakers of his divine nature and that's where this all came from because God gives us if you think about this he gives us his Holy Spirit to live in us and then he also gives us the fruit of the Spirit to build Christ's character in us he also gives us um, the baptism with the Holy Spirit to empower us and equip us to do the work that he wants and then he gives us the gifts of the Holy Spirit Now, if you notice something in common there, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live the Christian life. The Holy Spirit empowers us with gifts to touch people and move in their lives and see his salvation flow. And so it's never just something where we look at ourselves and we say, oh man, I got to come up with this. I have to have this ability. I have to have this strength. I have to have this knowledge. I have to have all this. A lot of times that's what we depend upon is upon ourselves. But God has... um, his anointing that he gives us and and pours out upon us, which is really wonderful. And we'll even see that in a couple of the scriptures that we're looking at today. But I want to look at today our purpose, our divine call from God to touch the earth. And I, I think I asked this question uh, recently here, but I'm going to ask it again. And I, I'm going to actually make this statement. There's only one reason that we're here on earth, just one. And the only reason that we remain here is because Jesus Christ still wants people saved. It's just the way it is. See, God could, in an instant, snatch all of us and boom, we're in his presence. Everything's taken care of. Everything's under control. Because if we look at at what the Bible says is going to take place, there's going to come the second coming of Christ, it's going to be a time of judgment. The first time he came, he came with mercy, compassion, and grace. He came with a mission to fulfill. The second time he comes, he's just going to, he's going to come and bring judgment upon sin. And that, that's kind of a scary thing. But when that's over, when there, everything's under control, he brings all things under his authority and power it says that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be a new heaven. That's awesome. And a new earth that's never been tainted or touched by sin. And we're going to live with him. And it actually says that God is going to dwell in our midst on this new earth. God's going to actually walk among us like, like he did with Adam and even the garden before they sinned. He's going to come and bring his presence because his heart is to be our God and for us to be his people. He wants us. He created us for fellowship. He created us to be in relationship with him. And so that's really important. But you know, I think about this is that when we think about the end times and if and some people think about it and they're just filled with fear and I think fears of the, of the enemy, we don't have to be fearful. 
of the things that are going to happen in this world because God is our protector and God's our keeper. And we've been delivered from the wrath. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord, you've been delivered from the wrath of God. We're not subject to his wrath. And you remember when he was pouring out his wrath on, on the land of Egypt, God separated them from the Egyptians. And he, he had this come, and then he says, I'm going to send this final plague upon the whole land, but those who, who will kill this lamb and put the blood over the doorposts of their homes, then I'll pass over them. And we have the blood of Jesus. He's going to pass over us. His wrath and judgment are not going to come upon us. And so we don't have to worry about the wrath of God and the hatred that, that we, we think is being poured out, you know, when he, does, when he does his judgment. God's judgment is righteous and God's judgment is good because he's bringing evil under his authority and under his power. So we're here because Jesus Christ wants to see people saved. Here's this scripture. It says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness. And he's talking about the second coming of Christ. He says, But he's patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. You see, the reason Jesus isn't coming back at the moment, the reason he's not here right now, is because there's other people that he knows are going to come to him. There's other people he knows who are going to be saved. There's others that are coming into the fold. And when it comes to the point where in his perfect plan of how he's planned this whole thing out, when it comes to the point where it comes to the fullness of time, he's going to come. Because there's going to be a time when, when the harvest is, is full and complete, and then he's going to bring the judgment. And so those things are really important. So we're looking today at our purpose, our divine call to, from God to touch the earth. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at some reasons. I, I went through these last week. I went boom, whoosh, right at the beginning of the sermon and whipped through these. Now I'm going to take some time and I'm going to look at each one of these. Uh, the reason why Jesus came. The scripture gives us a lot of different reasons. I didn't go to all of them, but Jesus even says with his own mouth, this is why I came. And so we can find out his purpose in coming. And the reason that I'm saying this is because that's the same purpose that we have. Our purpose is to fulfill the ministry of Jesus. Our purpose is to do what Jesus has done. Now, I, I say this every time I say something like this, too, because we're not saviors, right? Only Jesus could be the Savior, but the ministry that he did, everything that he did besides that, he wants us to do. And you'll see this as we get going, as we walk through this. But we're going we're gonna to walk through these, these different areas. I think there's six of them, seven of them. And we're going to just look at him and see what, it, what he came to do and what we're called to do. <clears throat> so, first thing he came is to do God's will. So in John 6, verse 38, he says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And so Jesus proclaimed it from the very beginning that as he went in his ministry, as he did the things that he was doing, he wasn't doing them on his own initiative. He wasn't doing them in his own authority. He was doing the will of the Father. He was doing what God desired for him to do. And so that really becomes uh, an important part. God has something for you to do, and he wants you to do his will. He wants you to do his will. And that means us... Uh, just growing in the things of God and, and following Him, being attentive to Him. One of the things that you see in, in, the, in the Gospels, especially in the Gospel of Luke, is that Jesus would always sneak away to pray. He was always trying to hear from the Father. We have even one time where it talks about He was spent the whole night in prayer before He chose His disciples. 
Jesus was always trying to get away, to get in contact with the Father because he says, I don't do anything except for what I see the Father doing. And so there was always this, his heart is to do the will of the Lord. And for each and every one of us, we can do the will of the Lord. It's possible because God doesn't ask us to do something that we can't do. Now, he empowers us to do things, but whatever he asks us to do, we can do. A lot of times it's open your mouth. A lot of times it's step out and do this. A lot of times it's just decisions and choices that we make, and then his, his empowering comes to us. But it's, I want to do the Father's will and to, to fulfill my purpose and my reason for existence because every one of us are special and unique. Every one of us are created by God and given purpose through him. And so I want to do the will of the Father. I want to do what he has. So another reason that Jesus came uh, is to reveal the Father. To reveal the Father. John chapter 1, verse 18 says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten who is from the bosom of the Father, he explained him. Or other translations say he revealed him. And so when, you, when Jesus came, people didn't really understand who God was. They didn't comprehend how God would live in the midst of people. And so when Jesus came, he did everything exactly as the Father would do because he just did what the Father asked. That's what he did. And so when we see Jesus, we see the heart of the Father. When we see Jesus coming and proclaiming truth, that's the heart of the Father. When we see Jesus come and heal the sick, that's the heart of the Father. When he, we see Jesus save those who are lost, that's the heart of the Father. When we see Jesus actually rebuked the religious leaders because they were standing in the way of people coming to salvation. That's the heart of God. He shows us who God is. He reveals who God is. And then I want to say this. I, if, if you think about this, we're God's representation on the earth. Whether, whether we believe it or not, we represent God. The scripture says that we're ambassadors for Christ. I've been, uh, I'm working on another who you are in Christ, and one of, it, one of them is we're ambassadors. And an ambassador is the highest ranking person that's been selected by the president to represent him in a foreign country. And the scripture tells us real clear, we're aliens, we're, we're not of this earth, we're here, but this is not our home. Our home is in the presence of the Lord to be with him and to live with him forever. And being on this earth, we're, it says that we're aliens. We're, this is not where everything that we have is not right here. There are so many precious promises and stuff that God's going to give us that as we, we just believe in him and follow him. So this is in our home. We're ambassadors. And so we represent God to people. We represent him. Our attitudes toward people that's how people are going to think God is. The things that we do and the things that, 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 are, that we live and, and make important in our life, those are the things that people are going to see and they're going to say, this is how God is. Especially when we call ourselves believers in Christ. They're going to look at our lives. They're going to say, is this, is this something that... Uh, that represents God is this who God is and and you know we've had this happen where people say you know I remember Suzette she was just mentioning this when she preached I think um, she said that when she saw her brother when he came to Christ before he came to Christ he was just depressed and he was always saying before he reached a certain age he was going to die and things were going to be terrible and he was always just gloomy and filled with negative thinking and all this kind of stuff. But when he came to the Lord, it changed him. His countenance changed. The way he acted changed. And it drew Suzette. And she said, I want what you have. He represented God. God's work in him. And so as we let God just 
work in our lives and we follow him and we seek to do his will and we seek to do that we reveal who he is to others and others you know we can help them come to know the lord because we're revealing him we're his representatives we're we're the ones he's left here to fulfill his mission last two scriptures we're going to look at when we get there are two scriptures that that talk about the great commission and what he's called us to do and where he's called us to go and part of that is to reveal who the father is so this is very important is that we recognize this that that maybe you are the closest thing that a person's going to come to seeing god we never know the different people that we touch and come in contact with and when they see the lord they can be drawn to him and seek to follow after him third reason that that jesus came was to serve in Mark 10:45 it says for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And so what he's talking about here was as a ransom for many he he was the one who went to the cross when he went to the cross his shed blood paid the price to set us free and to deliver us and to bring us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. He paid a price for us. He came to serve. You have to understand who this is. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It says, remember that first verse we looked at? It says he came from heaven. He came down from heaven to be with us. He came out of the absolute, wonderful, fantastic glories of heaven, and he came to earth. And he came not so that people would just bow down to him, and not so that people would just worship and honor him he came so that he could serve us he came to give his life and lay it down for us he came to walk a perfect life on this earth so that we could bear the benefits of it because if he was going to offer his life as a sacrifice for us it had to be a perfect life had to be without sin he had his blood had to be spotless so that when he went to the cross he could shed his blood that it would pay for us. And that's what he did. He came as a servant, and he calls us to be servants. He wants us to serve one another, to love one another, to, to use the gifts that he's given us to touch people's lives and to, to build up the body of Christ, to reach out and touch those even outside the church and minister to them and, and touch their lives. He came to serve. And a lot of times I think we can't really, I don't think we can ever reach our full potential in who we are in Christ unless we're serving, unless we're reaching out with what he's given us. Because we'll never, you know, it's like anything else. When he gives us gifts, they've got to be used to grow and increase. You know, I haven't talked about this in a while, but I remember one of the first sermons I ever did I, I still get hassled about it every once in a while uh, because I was trying to make an illustration and I came up with an illustration off the cuff as I was preaching and I, t- <laughs> I talked about um, Noah, Noah dog. Uh, and I said, oh well. Anyway, it was a terrible thing and, and I've never been, because I did it at my friend's church. And uh, he still thinks about it uh, uh, from time to time. That was, that was like 37 years ago or something like that. But you know, the thing is, is that, is that the more you do something, hopefully you get better at it. So hopefully I'm a better preacher than I used to be. And uh, so, you know, what do you do? But unless you use your gifts, unless you actually step out and begin to do things, you'll never grow. You'll never grow in any area of your life unless you begin to step out and you begin to do the things that God asks you to do. God doesn't expect us to be fully mature the second that we begin to do ministry because we have to grow. He understands that. You know, the scripture even talks about us being little babies and then being children and then being young men and women and then being fathers and mothers. There's a progression that goes on as we go through life. 
And the same thing holds true. The more we serve, the more God gives us. Because that's what what's the, that's a principle of the scripture. He who has has much will be given more. He who has little, what he has will be taken away because he's not using it. He's not bringing forth what he has. And so that's that's one thing that that he did is he came to serve and wants us to serve and to, to just give our life, to pour out our life for those around us and to, to really touch and pe- touch people's lives. So another reason he came, and he asks us also to be involved in this, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Came to seek and save the lost. He was on a rescue mission when he came here. You know, he talks about these different parables. Remember the parable? Wouldn't... If a, if a shepherd had 100 sheep and he lost one, wouldn't he leave the 99 and go, go find the one? And so he gives this picture of, of finding the lost one. And he came to seek and save that which was lost. Now, I, you know, when people are lost, just think of this. One of the illustrations Jesus uses is this lost coin. This woman has ten coins in her necklace. You know, it's, it's, it's part of her inheritance and things like that that she has. And it's, it's like her dowry. It, it's the way that she's protected in case her husband dies. She has this finance, financial thing. And all of a sudden she loses it and she just goes crazy. It says she took the house apart, swept the floor, looked under everything until she found that, that lost coin. And so Jesus, he left heaven to come and find the lost. So just like that lady had a coin, God had his children. And when sin came into the world, they were lost to him. They were lost, and he came to seek and save that which is his, that which was lost. And so he came, and then he, of course, just loved people and ministered to them and did all the wonderful things. But he, he came to seek that which was lost to him so he could bring into his fold and bring us to him. We're like the lost sheep. He says, I'm the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He brought us in as a sheep. You know, the Bible gives us so many pictures of stuff. It's just so amazing that different ways he's trying to communicate. And he brings us to himself. And he watches over us and he keeps us. And, and uh, so that becomes another important part is that God has us here, again, because people need the Lord. People need the Lord. And he wants us to bring people into the kingdom. He wants us to help people come to Jesus Christ and to know him and to believe in him and to have that relationship with God restored and made whole. And then Jesus came to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. And here's that verse I was telling you about, that when the Holy Spirit that was upon Jesus is the same Holy Spirit that lives in us when we trust in Christ. It's the same Holy Spirit that's poured out with the baptism of the Holy Spirit to empower us. It's the same Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us and directs us. So the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells in us and is here for us. And so Jesus said this. He, he was reading a scripture out of Isaiah 61, but when he ends reading this, he says, this is fulfilled today, right here, right now, in your hearing, because he was fulfilling this. Here's what he said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. And I'm just going to stop there for a minute. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. So the Spirit anoints us. The Spirit anointed Jesus and the Spirit anoints us. God doesn't want us to be without ability and power and authority and life and abundance. He gives us his Holy Spirit 
to anoint us. And he did for five things, is what Jesus said. And if you go to that Isaiah scripture, there's actually six, because for whatever reason, the Luke scripture leaves out to heal the brokenhearted. So here's what he says. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach or to proclaim the gospel to the poor. The Lord has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So there's five things, five different things that he said. The first one is to preach the gospel to the poor. Spirit came upon him so that when he proclaimed, there was, there, there was a release of life. There's a release of something of the Spirit. When the Word of God goes forth, the Holy Spirit does a work. It says that his Word will not return void. And so there's, there's this idea here to preach the gospel to the poor. And that word, that word is, is absolute bankruptcy. These people don't even own, these are homeless people, basically. They don't own homes, they don't own anything, they have nothing. They're impoverished. And so you got to think about this, that Jesus isn't just talking about poor people that don't have money. He's talking about the spiritually poor because he says when he was preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall receive the kingdom of God. Those are the ones, the ones who recognize that they need God, that they're bankrupt, that they have nothing that they can offer for their own salvation. They have nothing to offer God in, in the sense of coming to him with anything that would allow them to have a relationship with God. A broken and a contrite heart, Jesus won't despise. And there's this, this idea of being spiritually bankrupt and recognizing it. And Jesus came to preach to them the gospel that you can be reconciled with God, that you can come and have your sins forgiven. You can become a child of God. And there's this whole message that he does, but this, this preaching the gospel, it's just a proclaiming, it's declaring what God wants and what he desires. So, because a lot of times when, when we use this word preach, we think what it is is a preacher doing what I'm doing. Standing up here and, oh, I can't be a preacher. No, you're, you're a, pre- a preacher. All you have to do is to preach is to proclaim. You declare the truth that God wants to be reconciled with man, that Jesus loves that, well, actually, God and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, every, every part of the Trinity loves you. That's part of the message of the gospel, that God loves you, that he sent Jesus Christ to die for you, that he is bringing you into a relationship with him, made a way for us to come to God. And the only thing that we can do is to say, yes, I'm in need. I need a Savior. I need to come. And so he's preaching this gospel to the spiritually bankrupt. That's one reason that the anointing was upon him. The second one is to proclaim release to the captives. And this one's an interesting one because it, when it uses the word captives, it means prisoners of war, those who are bound up, those who are, are, are kind of there against their will. They've been captured. They've been under the rule and authority of another one. And we know from the scripture it says that when we accept Christ, we're taken out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. And so he's, he's come to proclaim release, to say that you can be part of a new kingdom. You can be part of something new. The gospel gets us not only in right relationship with God, but it brings us into the kingdom of God and allows us to walk in newness of life. We become new creatures in Christ, and all those things begin to happen. And so he's talking to those who are bound in prison, but he's saying, come out, you're free. I've made a way for you. And that's an important thing. And so we're, we're to proclaim to people 
that if they're bound, if they're held captive, and they're, they're bound by whatever gets in the way of freedom and liberty in Christ, that God is, we're, we're to proclaim, come out, be free because of what Jesus has done. And to see people set free from bondages that hold them and bind them up and stop them and capture them and make them actually a prisoner of war. Then the third thing he says is that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring recovery of sight to the blind. And we know from Jesus' ministry on earth, he, he healed the blind. Blind eyes were opened. Those who could not see could see. But I know he's talking about not only physically but spiritually also because it talks, you remember how it talks about Jesus? Jesus was talking about these religious leaders and stuff, how they take a person and they start teaching them and he says it's the blind leading the blind. So there's a spiritual blindness, not understanding the things of God. And so what, what the Holy Spirit has come for is to help people, help, help their eyes to open up spiritually so they can understand the things of God, so they can understand what God has done for them and begin to walk in that newness of life. The Holy Spirit is upon Jesus so that, that they can go, wow, I understand, I see. I remember this one... Um, you know those little tracks that they have? This this one was, there was a guy standing here, right? And he's all excited. And he's going, wow, look at the light. It's awesome. It's wonderful. And this there's this massive, just you can see this whole thing's lit up with light. But this guy's standing this way, and he doesn't see it. And so he's standing with his back to the light, and he goes, I don't understand. I don't see the light. I don't, there's nothing for me to see. And the guy keeps talking to him and ends up, the guy turns around, and all of a sudden he sees the light. He understands and receives God, you know, because that's what these little tracks are for, is to help people come to the Lord. But I I just remember that because our eyes are blinded until we come to the truth. And then we can see and we can understand. And that's one of the things that Jesus came. And when people saw Jesus, we already talked about this, they saw he came to reveal God. And they saw him. Just think of the ones who came to Jesus. I just think of, do you remember the prostitute that came to Jesus and wept on his feet and washed his feet with her wiped them with with her hair and she did that out of love because she Jesus loved her Jesus loved her Mary Magdalene and Mary the one who took the oil and poured it upon him it was worth tons of money and she poured it out upon him because of her love for him, because he loved her. And there's this idea of coming and seeing and actually responding to him and seeing who he is. Then the the fourth one is to set free those who are, are oppressed. That word oppressed means broken to pieces, shattered or crushed. And just think of how many of our hearts have been broken in areas of our lives and need truly to be touched and healed. But Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to, to restore. Remember the Psalm 23, it talks about the Lord is my shepherd. And it, one of the things it says that he does is he restores my soul. And I just you know, want, want us to know that God wants us to minister to people his life and his love so that their hearts can be healed. Jesus heals the brokenhearted. Jesus restores anything that's broken or crushed. He can bring health and wholeness to. You know, I've seen it in my own life over and over in the lives of others as I go through many, many, many years of, of ministering that when people are open to allow the Lord to come in and touch their heart, he'll do it. 
But a lot of times we're fearful. A lot of times we we stand back. A lot of times we just accept what we have in our hearts instead of allowing God to actually heal it and bring his deliverance and his power to bear in our lives. And I've seen, I've just seen things that, that in people's lives have been horrific where God comes and he can bring total healing so that when, when you think about that situation, your emotions aren't just all in shredded up and your heart can be made whole through the person of Jesus Christ. He is the healer, and he wants to heal us. He wants to set us free. All those who are oppressed are crushed under. He wants us to be free. There's a couple of uh, pictures in, in the Old Testament. There's a couple of Psalms that talk about this. But the idea is that the psalmist is saying, I was in this place where I was crushed in, I was hemmed in on every side, but God brought me out into a broad place. He brought me into a place of freedom. It's like being crushed under and then coming out into a broad field of freedom and liberty. That's what God does. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't want us to be oppressed. He doesn't want the weights that we carry to be upon us because he bore them for us on the cross. Jesus bore our sin. He bore our iniquity. He bore our sorrows. He bore our suffering. He took everything upon himself and took it all so that we could be healed. But we bear those things so often and don't allow God to come in. I just like to make statements like this every once in a while. I believe Jesus Christ can heal anything in your heart. Anything. 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 Because he's the healer. We've got to do it his way, and we have to come to him. And then here's the wonderful thing, is that Jesus came to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And we know from Scripture what he's talking about is a year of jubilee. Happened every 50 years in Israel. Every 50 years they had what they called the year of jubilee, of year of freedom, a year of deliverance. And during that time, slaves were able to return to their family. What happened in Israel, they would allow... Uh, Israelites couldn't be taken into slavery in Israel, but they could, you know, like what, what we consider slavery, where they're sold to a person and then that's it. They're there for life until they sell them or do whatever they want, and they're their property. When they're talking about a slave in Israel, when, when we're talking about slaves being set free, Let's say all of a sudden I, I have no money, I've, you know, I have my land and I have myself, I have no money and those kind of things, uh, and, and I owe people money, they can take me as a slave and I can serve them for so many years and till I pay off my debt or do like an indentured servant or something like that. But on the year of Jubilee, it didn't matter where you were, what was happening, what was taking place, you were set free and you could return to your families. The other thing is, is that let's say uh, God, when he gave the people the land, he gave each family a certain section of the land that was to be theirs. It was their inheritance. See, the land is the inheritance for the people of Israel. And so what would happen is, again, somebody was ran out of money, did whatever, something happened, they didn't have anything, they had to give their land, they would sell their land to another person, and they would have this land, but they had the land knowing that when the year of Jubilee came, they would end up turning it back over. So they would only pay as much, like they'd pay way more on... on uh, on the four, you know if there's 48 years left than if there was one so does that make sense because they knew that they were going to be giving this land back but it would come back to the original family all the inheritance everything that God had given them would come back to them 
And then this is really good. Wouldn't you love this one? All debts were canceled. Boop! Even playing field. Wouldn't it be great? All of a sudden, here's this time in, in America. Psh, every debt gone. Man. Well, when he's saying the year of Jubilee, we know this, that Jesus is talking not only physical stuff, but he's talking spiritual stuff. So we're, Scripture says we're slaves to sin. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. We're slaves. We're controlled by this. But the year of Jubilee sets us free so that we can return to our families. The property that we have, the, you know, some, there's this song, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. All the stuff, the inheritance that God has given us that's been ripped off in any possible way is to come back to us. And then, of course, our debts are canceled. What's, up? What's debts in, in the Scripture? Forgive us our debts as we for, you know, forgive those who owe us debts. That's talking about our sin. When we come to Christ, our sin is totally, completely forgiven and we're released He's saying that this is fulfilled right in your sight. Right now, right here. Because he was there. And because of his Holy Spirit in our lives, it's available to us today. It's here right now. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so those are things that he's called us to be part of seeing people healed, seeing people delivered, seeing people understanding who they are in God and coming to Christ, all those different things he's given us the power to do. And then in uh, one last thing, and then we'll look at two other scriptures. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. First John 3, 8 says, The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. To destroy them, to make them of no effect. He came to give life and life abundantly. He came to pour out his goodness. He came to give us a full inheritance. He's, he came to restore life as he intends it to be. And I, I just want us to think about this. Think about areas of your life. If there's any area in your life that is not what the Scripture talks about, if you're not experiencing peace, if you're not experiencing unity and harmony, if you're not experiencing uh, health, if you're not experiencing wholeness in your heart, if you're not experiencing uh, good things happening in your relationships and within your family, any of those things where where God has brought his fullness, then we need to stand up and we need to attack that in the name of Jesus. We need to stand against it and and move toward what God has for us because that's how we do it. So the simple thing is, if you don't know Christ, is to come to Christ. That's, that's the simplest and easiest thing to start with because everything starts with coming to Jesus. I talked about this idea of being spiritually bankrupt and understanding that we can't do anything to save ourselves. And when we accept Christ, we accept his death on the cross for us. We accept his shed blood and we accept that he becomes our Lord, that he purchases us with his blood, that we become his, and we become part of God's family. So that's really the first step, uh, is coming to Jesus. It's always coming to him, but salvation is the very beginning. And so if, if you've never accepted Christ, today is the day where you can say yes. You can respond to Christ, and you can give your life to him. Thank you, Lord. We just bless you that we have that opportunity to come, to respond, to say yes. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Well, I'm just going to give us an opportunity to do that today.
to say yes to Jesus and to say, I want to come to you as my Savior. I want to trust in you. I want to count on what you've done for my salvation so that I I don't have to be perfect in my own ability. So if you'd like to respond to Jesus today, I just want you to raise your hand and say, you know, I'm going to do that. I want to do that today. So... All right. Thank you, Lord. So the other thing that I want to talk about then is that any area of our lives, we have to come to Christ. We have to come to him. And we have to do it his way. His way is the only way. You know, a lot of times we try it our way, and boy, our way, my way doesn't always work very good, you know, because uh, it's not perfect. His ways are perfect. And when I learn to do it his way, it doesn't mean everything goes super smooth, but I guarantee you that as we do things his way, that we're healed, and that we're delivered, and that his life comes. So part of that is understanding who we are in Christ to stand up in the authority and power that he's given us. We talked about that two weeks ago. Standing up in our authority and power and rebuking the enemy in our lives, where he's coming and encroaching upon our lives, where we don't have peace, where, where there's confusion, where there's uh, pain and anguish, all the different things that we experience, is to stand against the work of the enemy. And then when we have broken hearts, is to actually bring them to Jesus to speak to him and allow him to come and heal them. That's what the whole process is, is that we learn to come to Christ with everything in our lives and learn to walk in his ways because that's what's going to bring about the change that will happen in our lives. And he can break every bondage. He can heal every hurt. He can restore relationships. But it takes our cooperation because he's already done everything that's necessary for life and godliness. Everything that we need has already been purchased on the cross. Everything we need is sealed through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in our lives so we can come to him and we can press in. If we have sickness, we can come to the healer and seek to be healed in Jesus' name. So I want to read two passages of Scripture, and then we'll be done. And if you want ministry today, guarantee you whatever it is, the Lord wants to work in your heart and your life. So so if you go to Matthew, we're going to look at the two what they call great commissions. There's two different ones where Jesus talked to them at two different times. But in Matthew 28, just so we know, If you don't have any purpose, if you can't figure out what what purpose does God have for me, well, here's one of them. So in in, uh, Mark 28, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this one, it's talking about going and making disciples. Wherever we go, we make disciples. A disciple is just a student, a learner, a follower of Jesus. So make disciples, make ones who are following after Jesus. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, of the Holy Spirit, and teach them. Show them how to do the things that I've told you to do. He says that you teach them everything I've commanded. And then if you go to um, chapter 16 of Mark, then we're going to find another one that Jesus says. So Mark 16, 15 says, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So there's that 
thing. Go and speak, preach it, proclaim it, declare it, tell people. And he says, he who has believed, he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. He who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And that condemned means to be judged. We're going to be judged on the basis of our responding to Christ. It says, these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So this tells us that we're going to be involved in helping people in a variety of ways. And it says that... Um, that we're going to cast out demons, that we have authority over the demonic realm that's hindering people's lives and stopping them from receiving the fullness of Christ. It says we'll speak in new tongues, and I do believe that really speaks of the baptism of the Holy Spirit where they spoke with other tongues and that we'll be able to to um, be empowered by, by God. They'll pick up serpents, and again, that deals with the demonic forces. It's not talking about snakes and uh, in the physical sense. It says if they drink any deadly poison, it will not harm them if they're going about doing the work of God and and uh, then they'll be saved from those things. And then it says they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So there's this idea of going forth and ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit, the life that Jesus has. And that's why we say today, if if, if you feel oppressed, if you feel wounded, if you feel uh, any of those things and you want ministry, if you're sick and you want us to lay hands upon you, we've seen many people touched and healed from physical things over the past, well, actually years, but more and more in the last last year than we ever have. So God's healing, God's delivering, God's doing the things that we're talking about. And so... Um, just want to uh, encourage you that you have a purpose here on earth and that purpose is to touch people for Jesus wherever you go. That's really what it is. Wherever you go, wherever you go, daily life, at work, at play, whatever, friends, neighbors, however it works out, we're, we're to touch people for Jesus. And the reason that we're here is because he still wants people saved. So Lord, help us to just walk in your power to take that anointing of the Holy Spirit that you do give us and walk in that. Walk in that anointing. Walk in that power to see your salvation in Jesus Christ's name. Amen? Amen.